0: Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. This is Mera. Thank you for joining me today. I am so appreciative to have those of you who are joining me on this journey to peace. This show, for those of you who are new to listening, and and I have to imagine there are some because I'm seeing the numbers, this show is not about what religion you practice, and you are certainly free to practice any religion you want with no judgment from me. Let me assure you of that. I have my ways, my beliefs. And so I'm not trying to supplant how you worship God. I am trying to supplant your thoughts about how close God is to you. And in my belief, I know that God is with each and every one of us every day. All that is, is with us. And as I am able to link my mind with
1: God's mind or my
0: breath with God's breath, and I am able to focus on my behavior, which I believe is a fundamental tenet of everything. As I do those things, then I am a better example of the love that I know to be God. God. Now I am not sitting here as as a perfect being saying to you that I never get angry because that is not true. And that is part of what our topic is about today, inspiration from love god with the words we speak. How we communicate with one another. How we react. <clears throat> Excuse me, how we react to situations. I apologize. I had to echo in your ear. It took me totally by surprise. What words we choose. And it's the words we choose. And the behavior we choose. On a consistent forward-looking direction that will change the way the world is and the way the world looks at things, will impact you in your practice of your faith, will impact you in the practice of your profession, and will positively impact you in living your life. More at peace. So this isn't about who you call God. In other words, it isn't about whether you call God Allah or Yahweh or God or Great Spirit or all that is, the be-all and end-all, the master, the great I am. What this is about is how you choose to reflect the God that is within you. And there is not one faith that I'm aware of. Not one that does not believe that each of us carry within us a spark of all that is. And that's what we're talking about in my show, grooming that spark of all that is so that you are happy in who you are and you are projecting that to the world And you, yes, you, individually are changing the way the world approaches things. And when you don't, you are stepping back onto the sidewalk, the moving sidewalk, the escalator. That's not what it's called, I don't think. But anyway, you move back onto the moving sidewalk of life and you begin looking forward Focusing on, demonstrating that that spark within you is lustrous and is loving. Now, I prefer to call God love. Because I think talks about every faith, talks about the loving aim that we have. Afterlife is always described as a loving, careless place. Well, in terms of careless, I'm not sure that we would find that exciting if, that exciting. Otherwise, we wouldn't have opted to come back and live this life. Because with living this life and with having cares and with having woes and with having conflict, with having chaos, with encountering situations that aren't the way we want them to be, We are each provided an opportunity to decide who we are and react in that situation. So it gives us a chance to show the other person a way toward peace, and it gives us a chance to sit in peace in the midst of chaos as I've said so many times, for those of you who are regular listeners, as I've said so many times, when you know peace, when you have come to a place of peace, you will begin to remember that place. Just like if you practice yoga, your body begins to remember. You get muscle memory. Just like when you put information into your mind and you start training your brain, you get brain muscle memory. And the same is true with peace. Your body begins to remember what peace feels like and it will work on its own to get to peace. It will remember what needs to be done to go back there. Now, I will have suggestions for you as we listen to the programs. Coming up in a couple weeks is forgive yourself, you know. But, uh, for right now, today, and for every day, if you can keep your focus on the moment you are in, then you will have taken the first crucial step to learning to be at peace, and if you do not keep your peace in the moment you are in and the minute you feel yourself moving into a different direction. The minute you feel your peace walking away, and you will, we all have signals. If after today, hopefully, you will know that you have enough control that you can take back your words right then and there. If you choose to. And if you don't, It doesn't mean you're doomed forever. It just means that you have to write a new script. You have to develop a new way of talking. You have to get rid of the angst you feel and hopefully the angst others have felt from the words that were just spoken. So the journey's a little more difficult if you don't recognize yourself and still buy tongue. But it's still possible. I know because I have been there, and I'm sure many people listening have been there. What we are going to do this morning, first thing, after I've done my little prelude or segue into what we're going to talk about, is we're going to do a meditation together and we're going to join our breath with God's breath. I know, hold on just a second. I understand But for many people, there needs to be a ritualistic uh, approach to God. Uh, There needs to be somebody between the person and God. For just this morning, let's get up close and personal. And together, let's all join our breath with God's breath. And feel the wonder of spending approximately, it looks like we've got about 50 minutes more. Just surrounded by God on either side. And aware that God is there with us always. That love is with us always. All we need to do is reach out our hand. We don't have to meditate for an hour. We don't even have to meditate this next three minutes and 40 seconds. Just hold out your hand and believe that God is there with you and say, God, I need to talk. I need your wisdom. And then trust the loving, intuitive feelings that begin to suffuse your body. For me, when I do this little meditation with you in the mornings, I feel my body become electric as my breath joins with God's breath. I feel myself begin to pulsate as part of a giant whole composed of each of you and all that is. I feel alive. I feel loving I am accepting of my life and of others' lives and their right to be who they are, which is no small challenge. Probably should have a show on that. And I feel at peace. So we're going to listen to Anais. Be Still My Soul, what an appropriate topic. Be still my soul. As we join our breath with God's breath, but before we do that, let's go through a little process of joining ourselves together. Before I bring the music on, now many people say to me, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to pray other than over meals. And and yet I ask, you don't have three minutes and 40 seconds in your day that you could dedicate to your well-being To reminding yourself of your importance to all that is. To embracing yourself in the breath of God and recognizing the vitality of the being that you are. Three minutes, 40 seconds. We'll do more than that today, but for three minutes and 40 seconds, right now, Everyone meditates differently, and I am not telling you how to meditate at all. But I am going to suggest to you a breathing technique. And the reason I suggest this breathing technique is it makes it easier to have long breaths. It makes it less likely that you become so focused on your breath that you feel like you're strangling for air. And it enables you to go through a full, long breath, elongating and sipping air in. Any of you who are a singer, who are singers know what I mean. Sipping air in so that your breath, just your lungs keep filling up with breath. And when you reach the end of that breath, and you feel this glorious union with even more fresh, rarefied air as you join your breath with God's breath, with love's breath. At that point, you are not oxygen deprived. You are oxygen infused. And you will let that breath out and invite the next one in willingly. So the first breath is probably a little long, but I would like you, because I'm talking, but I would like you to pull the breath through the soles of your feet so your nose was there. And I encourage you to have your soles at your feet in a place that is comfortable for you. I know many people can meditate in bed. I cannot. I fall asleep. But meditating uh, in a chair, um, I have meditated on a hard bench at Yogananda's um, Self-Realization uh, Fellowship in uh, Mount, at Mount Washington. And it felt the same as a soft chair. Uh, when I was more flexible and younger, I would meditate with my legs crossed. Some people meditate with their feet facing up. No matter where your feet are, focus on your feet for just this moment and allow them to be the beginning of the breath, even though we know they're not. And then pull the breath up the front of your calves, up the front Of your thighs cross over to the base chakra and now you're at your base chakra now your base chakra is where you hold on to fear and generally fear is the impetus for war for anger for fighting for trepidation for being beaten down for beating down it is it is actually not one of our more lovely emotions So for right now, I'd like you to drive as you're at that base chakra for this first breath, please drive that fear back into this planet from which it came. In your purest natural form, in the form reflected by that spark within you, you have no fear. There is nothing to fear. What would happen? You would end this life. But you would not end all life. So release the fear into the earth from whence it came. And now let's keep that breath moving as a fearless breath, pulling it up through the divining rod of your body, through your chakras, going first to the sacral chakra, the zone of creativity. And as you are sitting there pulling that breath past that zone, pull in creative energy so that now you are pulling a fearless, creative breath up into the solar plexus, the zone of healing. I'd like you to pause there, not for long, just long enough to see the yellow-infused, fearless, creative, healing breath move through your body. And feel your body body begin to heal emotionally and physically. And then pull that breath, fearless, creative, healing breath up into your heart. And narrow back your shoulders. Put them back into a square position so that your heart is exposed. Open your heart and dare to love. No matter what happens, right or left, Dare to love. Allow your heart to embrace life. It's ups and it's downs. And realize that you are who you are because of all that you have lived. And you are in control of your life. Even though others may be in control of parts of your life, you are in control of of how you react to them. So now we have fearless, creative, healing, loving breath coming up. Keep sipping in, please. Keep sipping in. You're going to come to the throat chakra, and that is the center of where we're going to be talking today. And I would like you for a moment to sit there because I'm going to give a suggestion for the meditation later. And that is that you imagine the people you have harmed with your words lining up in front of you as you meditate, and you forgive them, and they forgive you. So you are together, united in a moment of love. Now pulling this this healing, excuse me, this fearless, creative, healing, loving, forgiving breath up, you're going to come to the third eye. The zone between eyes and there is your zone of manifestation. And as your breath goes past that zone, allow a residual moment to stay and let that zone grow as you envision yourself using your highest, gentlest, kindest words today and being your highest speaker. And now, you bring the breath up. You lift up the top of your head. Imagine your mind opening up and your breath going through a piper tubing set of tubes to unite with the breath of all that is. Feel those tubes evaporating in the wonder and the joy of love of God's breath. And before you breathe out, reach out your right hand and take the hand of God as you know God to be. Feel the energy of God surrounding you as you're sipping in breath and sitting here relaxing with your breath joined with God's, holding hands with God. And as we begin the music, I would like you, as you finish your next breath, to reach out and take the hand of God, of another listener, so that we become a circle of human God, human God, human God, and we start to expand and go around the world as more and more people believe in the wonder of their own behavior, in the wonder of them, and come to recognize each and every one of you are okay. You have experienced life, you have reacted to life, and you are now making a choice to be in charge of your reactions. And as you do that, you will come to be in charge of your experiences because those experiences are defined by you. So I'm now going to put on Be Soul. And as you finish your next breath, as you breathe out, please breathe out, I am enough. Now. And now and I'll be still thy soul. You are each one source of light. We all are a source of light. And what we need to do in some level is focus on what we are allowing our minds to become consumed with. For the most part, we will, although there are fleeting moments when we take great pleasure at negative words that we've used with another person Uh, and we'll say I said this as though we are now the victor of the battle of the angers and that shut the whole thing down and we're like whoa you know rah 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 that is a fleeting moment and especially if those words were said in a hostile negative way The moment is over, but the words are living on, and they're living on in your mind. And if you have any kind of conscience, you're going to start thinking about the words, and you're probably going to think, oh, maybe I could have said that differently. So pretty soon you may spend a few days, a few hours, a few minutes of the present time, of this valuable time in which you are living to show who you are in the moment. Focus on something that you said in the past. Now that's a giant, giant topic because how many of us obsess? I have to tell you, I think about what I've said. I um, I find that I don't think as much if I said something positive As if I said something negative. If I said something negative, my mind is thinking, oh, should I have said this? Should I have said that? I try to refocus what I should have said when maybe I should have just taken time to think before I spoke in the beginning. What a nouveau idea that what comes across our minds does not necessarily need to come across our tongues and through our lips, that we have charge, and I think that so often we don't realize that this this being in charge is not just about keeping our peace, or as my mom used to say, letting it be it's not just our peace in the moment. But it's the peace in the future, and it's not only ours, but it's someone else's. Because how do we know how those words are heard? Now, if we take time to frame our words in the gentlest, kindest, loving way, then that's how those words will be heard. And if we take time when we hear our words as we're speaking them to realize their rough edge, to stop as we listen to ourselves. We stop ourselves and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I think I've said something here I didn't mean to apply. I didn't mean to say. As we take those moments and we begin self-correcting and correcting in the moment, we will alter this the fiber of that moment. And the person with whom we are talking or the people with whom we are talking will remember two things. They will most likely walk away with their minds thinking about The final words you said, not the initial words. But they will also walk away seeing that you were strong enough in knowing who you are, that you did not want to convey a negative message that took away from who you are. And let me assure you you will if they walk away with a negative message so do you. And if you have character that message unfortunately will begin to obsess within your head. And you know what the one thing is absolutely true you cannot take back words once they're spoken unless you do it right then. Coming back later, and by the way, I do encourage going back later, even if you don't do it then, and saying, listen, you know what? I said something, and I think it may have created an implication I did not want to create. I recommend doing that at some point and bringing a peace between you and that person because when you and someone else are not at peace, that magnifies because people, for whatever reason, feel they have to pick sides on who is right in the world of ill spoken words. And frankly, everyone who is speaking poorly, who is using words that harm, who is using words to stab and draw blood, everyone is wrong. So, have I ever been wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have not always chosen the world's best words. I have not not in my profession nor in my personal life. I, just like everyone else, have seen a weak spot and have gone through and speared in my words and then left myself harmed as well as the person with whom I used the words because I regretted them. I one time read something that said uh, you can say something that you concede in 10 seconds and it will last for 10 million years. Well, maybe a little long on the time, but the reality is it will last. And as we see here, Buddha said, the tongue is like a sharp knife. It kills without drawing blood. Now, I think about all of this, you know, and I try very hard to be cautious with my words. I recognize, I think I say that every other sentence because I don't want you all to think that I'm out there just like, oh, love, words. I I have problems just like everyone else, and it is a constant struggle. The thing about it is it's becoming more natural. In the beginning, it was a little bit more difficult. It was something I had to think about now, I'm kind of intuitively going into it. Let me give you an example. I got a phone call this week, and I had gotten an assignment. And for those of you who don't know, I'm a lawyer. Yes, lawyers are word people, wordsmiths. And so I had gotten this assignment. and It was a pretty basic assignment. And I did not know anything about the underlying facts. Nothing, nothing. And the next thing I know, I get a phone call. And it's from someone who is a part of the situation that I was being asked to research. But that person was not uh, the one who gave me the assignment. They didn't even work for my client. They were someone receiving services from my client. And they had been told that I was researching the question. And the question had to deal with the privacy of a child, So does a child have a privacy interest in receiving therapy, let's say, or receiving medical treatment? Does that child own some part of that? And the next thing I know, I'm receiving a phone call from a parent. And the parent clearly feels the child does not. And so the parent wants to see any records that have been created as a result of the child talking about whatever issues are on the child's mind. I think we can all see that that might be a very freezing moment for that child. We call that chilling in the law. The child is. His or her mom or dad were given access to the record showing what he is saying. Then, why the child might not be so free at saying it. So there would almost be no point in going to get medical treatment or or psychiatric treatment or whatever kind of treatment, because they would face consequences with their parents, potentially. Wow, that was a big question. But it was really a big question as I'm trying to research it because I also had a parent calling me now whom I didn't know from anyone. And the parent wanted to give me assurances that the child did not care that I knew, that that the parent knew what was being said. I had no idea how old this child was. Uh, He or she could have been 15 years old or they could have been five days or five months old. Couldn't talk then. Five years old. So, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. But what I did find was that I could honestly speak to the parent in a kind, caring way. Without validating his or her right to access to the records, I could say to them, let's think for a moment. Let's step back from the situation for a moment. Exactly what I'm suggesting we all learn to do. Think and step back. If you hand the phone to your child and you ask your child to tell me, to tell my client that it's okay that you look at the records Let's just look at the dynamics of that. And you could feel kind of a calmness coming through the phone. Because I think the person at first thought that it was like, oh, this is great. This is the way we're going to do it. We're just going to pass that phone over. And I said, think about it. Your child wants to please. We all want to please. When any of us are placed in a situation, remember a few minutes ago I said people take sides? When anyone is placed in a situation, we tend to want to please and make other people happy. It is our nature as human beings. And so when we put someone in a situation where we're asking them to show us that they love us, we are coercing them a little bit because what happens if they say no? Why should they ever have to even think about the effects of a yes or a no? But through that dialogue with that parent, I believe, I hope that when it was over, the child was seen as someone who needed to be out of this battle. And I hope the parent was looking at him or herself as a being that had the ability to really kind of pull their child with their words, even if they never did anything physically to harm their child. If their child needed to talk to somebody, surely that's what they wanted the child to do. If the child needed medical treatment, surely they wanted the child to have that treatment. Now let's take that and apply that to our talking. What that was for me is after many years now of working, to use the highest words that I can come up with, I'm more natural in it. If I'm going to be forced to deliver a negative message, I pause. I don't just let it spill out of my mouth. And when I deliver a message, I aim for a win-win situation. I try to recognize all the parties' interests. In the case of the parent... I could understand the parent being concerned and wanting to know. So, because ostensibly wanting to fix. But sometimes, as I said to this parent, if you read what is said, it's almost impossible not to want an explanation. Well, what did you mean by this? What did you mean by that? And pretty soon something that is, designed to be ameliorative to fix because something that is negative I mean how many of you out there have been, been in a situation where you have uh you've said positive words to people and they've been interpreted negatively and then you begin explaining and as you explain It's getting worse, not better. That's probably the time to say, I think we need, I'm not communicating, I am not trying to say anything negative to you, and we need to agree to disagree. Or we need to uh, not talk about this anymore. We just need to put it on hold for a while. Any of those things to allow the situation to diffuse naturally before you go back in like the hot brand that you are, that we all are. Wanting to go back in and say one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. When we're doing that, that means that we feel either that we are losing or we are winning and in either event we want to harm with our words. And then those words will harm the person who heard them and they will harm each of us also because we will go over those words again and again and again in our mind. Now I said something about a moment ago about words that are designed to complement that aren't being heard as complimentary. Usually when that situation occurs, we look at the person who's hearing them and we get a little defensive. But maybe what we need to do at some point is look at ourselves and the words we chose to give. And were we giving a backhanded compliment? Well, we said you really look great in that great today were we could that person have heard us say, you don't normally look good, but today you look good? On the other hand, if we would focus on what it is that's attracting us to believe that we want to tell this person something about how they look. My friend yesterday I saw for breakfast, my gosh, you look so happy. Your life becomes you. Your life as it is right now becomes you. The words we speak. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So the words we choose to use are actually a manifestation of God. If we can think about it that way, and then if we substitute for God the word love then the words we choose to use are manifestation of love and the way we can evaluate our words is how loving are our words and i think this second quote from buddha that i have on the sheet on the page here the profile page kind of sums it up Holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You are the one who gets burned. Because what happens when we use unloving words is we hold those words within us and the other person holds those words within him or her. And they take on a hardness. They take on a justification. They take on self-judgment. And they interfere with how effectively we can live in the moment. Of all of the tools that I have acquired to move toward a peaceful life, the one that is the most valuable to me is looking at the words that I say to people and consciously thinking about those words. It is the one that I believe delivers the greatest peace for me and keeps peace Between me and others. Moreover, I think that it is the way that helps build collaboration. When someone feels safe with you, they will share with you ideas, knowing that you will not repeat them, and also, perhaps more importantly, you will not ridicule them, but you will listen to them. And as you become known as a listener, you will also become known as a builder because you will help to develop collaborative responses to situations, And rather than sitting quietly and humbly to the side, another person will be inclined to let you know the risks in what you propose, the strengths in what you propose, the weaknesses in what you propose, so that you can become an active part of the team of humanity, all with the words that you speak all with your ability to listen before you speak? How much time when you're engaged in a conversation do you spend listening to what the other person says as opposed to developing your response to what they say? I think that's an important question. Because If you can develop a pattern for yourself, you may get disappointed if it's not given back to you, but that's okay. Don't allow that to occupy your mind because your mind isn't about or your mind should not be focused on what other people aren't doing. It should be focused on what you are doing and what you can do better to bring you peace in life. If you move through life with a goal of your own personal peace and you invite others to participate, but you don't pull them in and hold them tight, you allow them to develop in their own way, then you will be able to let go of ill-thought-out words from others more easily. You will not cling to them. You will not let them race through your mind you will let it go. I one time read this thing on the internet and I tried it. Because I'm always trying things to, to keep my peace. And this one was very interesting. It was They said that if you would, if you would allow, if you would not speak aloud, situations that have caused you distress, you will be able to get over the situation faster. So try it. Try not talking about something that made you unhappy. Sure, you're going to talk about it for a little bit, maybe once, maybe twice, but if you find yourself wanting to talk about it the second day and then the third day and then the fourth day, you are losing parts of those days. And talking about that experience draws out negative emotions from within you, not positive. And sometimes I agree that you can become so beaten down that all you can think about is something that someone is doing to you. Somebody done me wrong. But at some point, as we discussed last time, you have to shift the focus away. And with your own words, stop people from wanting to talk to you about it. Stop allowing your mind to go there and start living in the present. And the sooner you will do that, the quicker your journey to peace will resume. And the joy that you experience and live in the moment will be magnified. You will not be carrying the baggage of the past. Even if somebody did you wrong, Even if you played no role in creating the situation, how is it helping the present? To revisit it and then to talk about it. How can you have positive, loving, caring words when you're talking about something that is garbage? In the beginning was the word. The word was with love, and the word was love. Love yourself with your words, as Don Miguel Ree said, be impeccable with your words. And then when you communicate with others, Work to speak in positive ways. And if you cannot, perhaps withdraw from the situation until you can. When you do not, you not only harm yourself, you harm the other person. And looking at the one being over whom you have control, yourself, your mind will become consumed. So what do you do about all this? Because saying negative words is almost inevitable. You begin, as I suggested earlier, if you find yourself saying something, listen to what you say. Stop yourself. Make some sort of apology. Say, I want to be sure you didn't hear me just say X, Y, Z, because I was trying to say something else. Or, I'm unsure what you heard me saying. And maybe not giving any definition might be wiser. But I was trying to say this. And I want to be sure that I'm clear. And whatever you say, have it be uplifting. And if someone says something negative to you about someone else, listen and make that a positive statement. So that when you both walk away, you will walk away with a positive sense of that other person instead of allowing yourself to sit in a situation where a person is denigrated and pulled down and broken down until when you walk away, you feel guilty for having participated in that conversation. I made a decision many, many years ago, probably 35, maybe 40, I was not going to gossip. I just don't want to. And the times that I've found myself pulled into those situations have been the times when I have not been my highest self. I do not feel that I've been my highest self even when I don't say anything. I feel helpless. And so frankly, I generally turn and walk away when the conversation turns to other people. I, I, I just don't want to be a part of it. Even if that other person might have harmed me, uh, you know, at some point, what I said a moment ago about what I heard on the on the internet, I have to move on. If I don't move on, I will be trapped. I have to move on because otherwise, I will trap myself in negative emotions. So moving on is important. Just knowingly say, God, this is it. I can't handle this thinking anymore. Help me move on. Turn to God for guidance. Turn to love for guidance. And you know what the simplest thing to do in this process is think about your words before you say them. And if they are not a positive statement, then think until you can say what you need to say positively. Sometimes we all, even in the course of our jobs, in the course of life, have have to deliver negative messages, but we don't have to deliver them in an unloving way. How we communicate and how we can choose words that uplift as opposed to denigrate, put down, will be a crucial step in your journey to peace. Because you cannot be at peace internally if you are focused on something from the past that was negative that you said or someone said to you. Because then your mind is focused on trying to get even as opposed to reflect that inner spark of divinity that is within you. Or you are thinking of how to justify your poor choices in words. Sometimes we have to accept that we made a poor choice. We have to accept that we are not perfect in order to move on. In that regard, in that regard, it's okay not to be perfect. Perfect. We don't have to make our imperfections perfections. And I'm sure we've all met people who when you talk to them about a problem become so upset, so obsessed with showing that it really isn't a problem that a situation can heighten, a situation can ignite. That really speaks about a need to soften your view of that person. And that will be where we're ending today, really, is help us, Divine One, creator of all things, known by many names. Help us to soften our eyes and our hearts to those people who are so defensive in their lives. To understand that their words that are combative reflect insecurities within them are not a manifestation or reflection of us. And to respond to them in a loving, gentle, accepting way. They may have made a mistake but we don't have to reject their humanity. We do not have to reject their humanity. We do not. We need to learn to turn to God and let go of the negativity whether it's poorly spoken words or other. That keeps us from peace because it festers inside of us and can block our kind thoughts, our gentle words, our loving behavior, our acceptance of others, our ability to see more in another than he or she is showing us. And yet, if we all could learn to do those things, then when we were at our lowest moment and we were encountering in response loving reactions, we would pause and rethink and readjust or adjust. So we're a team on this planet. And we can know peace when we choose our words wisely, when we act in kindness, and when we are not doing those things, we recognize it and correct, as opposed to holding on to the thoughts in our mind and keeping ourselves trapped and mired in the, present, in the past. We have tire pits down in Southern California, the the Brea Tar Pits where dinosaurs got trapped. Don't get trapped in poorly chosen words. Release them, replace them, and remember, you are uniquely created, divinely inspired. You do not have to be perfect. You are enough just as you are. Hold on to God's hand today as you go forth and know that you are loved, you are valued, and I am honored to be sharing thoughts with you. Peace be with you today and always until next week. I salute all of your inner divinity with namaste. That is what that word means. I salute the spark of joy and love within you. Namaste.